Sometimes in life, we put in all the grit and grind and are laser focused on achieving our goals. But sometimes no matter how hard we try, we don't get there for one reason or another. It could be that we simply fall short and didn't achieve. Maybe our mind was clouded and telling us we couldn't accomplish what we wanted to even though we were perfectly capable. Or maybe we had a physical or mental setback that stopped us in our tracks. In either scenario, when you're a goal-oriented individual, you don't if you don't achieve your goals, it kind of feels like you're getting the rug pulled from beneath your feet or like you got punched in the gut. Welcome to my podcast, One Foot in Front of the Other to Life. I'm your host, Lisette Haber. Today's episode is called Grit and Grind from Athlete to Corporate Leader. How do you move past not hitting your goals, especially those dreams, big giant dreams? How so as the cowboys say, how do you get back on the horse after being bucked off, right? What does it mean to have grit and be willing to grind it out? In just a bit, I'm going to share an awesome story with you about a formal colleague of mine who has continuously impressed me over the years. And it's not that a lot of people don't impress me, but a lot of people don't really impress me. But he did. And I know that he felt his destiny was really to reach those soccer player goals and potentially at some point play at a professional level. But through all the grit and grind, that did not happen for him due to an unfortunate situation, which we will discuss with him a little later. But I'd also like to add and share one of my grit and grind moments before I introduce him. Inspired by all of the karate and martial arts movies in the 80s, from Karate Kid to the totally inappropriate movies for a kid my age, but I was in love with, and I'm going to say this, but my Canadian family is going to hate the way I say it, but Jean-Claude Van Damme in the movie Bloodsport. I know, I totally said that wrong, but Bloodsport, I shouldn't have been watching, but I was. I was infatuated with the way that they had drive to practice and even the meditation from sitting between two chairs in the form of the splits while practicing their kata. I was in love with all things martial arts. Okay, so I was testing for my first gump, which is essentially depending on the region where you live, your first black stripe onto your red belt or some refer to it under the age of 15 as a junior black belt. The testing was very intense. Lots of judges. They never gave you an E for effort. There was no participation trophies back then. So I was just required to break a board and a pretty thick board in comparison to the boards they use now. And that had to be done with the back spin kick, which was meant it meant that I had to spin around backwards and hit in the perfect spot on the board with follow through to get through it with the back of my heel. Uh, barefoot, of course. Additionally, I had to black through, break through a slab of concrete with the palm of my hands. Now, I was amazing at practicing my forms, you know, kata. I was awesome at it. They wanted to train me for the Junior Olympics. I did well in sparring, but when it came time to breaking this particular time, I don't know if there was just a mental block or what the problem was, but I struggled. For the life of me, I could not get through that board. I tried both feet. My mom, I remember, had a grimace on her face, and my sensei, Mr. Scott at the time, went over to her and told her, get that look off your face. The studio was packed, people were there to see this moment, and I was the highest ranking student in our class, and I couldn't get through this board. My barefoot heel was bleeding and swollen, and I was leaving blood stains on the board, but I would not give up. I just had so much grit, I just kept trying, but it didn't happen for me that day. 
Then we moved on to the concrete, and I still have a scar on my hand today. I just couldn't get through that thick block of concrete. They gave me so many tries. I was scratched and bruised and bleeding, and I really wanted that experience, but I wanted to get my belt. But I think that that experience gave me some tools that I need for life. This day comes, this testing, and you know, and I fail the breaking part. I show up to class and new belts are given out with praise from the instructors. And I'll never forget arriving to the dojo that day. The masters, the master, Master Richards, called me into the office with two other instructors, all male instructors, much bigger than my teeny tiny 13-year-old self and Mr. Scott. And they had to explain to me that I did not pass the breaking part of the test, so I would not be able to receive my promotion. So I could not get my red black belt that day. And I had had seniority in the class, would always line up first or second position, but now I would be like fourth. And they said to me, just keep practicing. You got to get back up on the horse. So I did. And it was a tough pill to swallow watching everyone get their ranks and promote and switch places in the lineup. And then I had to make room for my peers who moved past me. I wanted to cry, but I didn't. And if there's one thing, one thing that was most perfectly impactful is that my stepdad helped me through the process. So he went to the lumber yard and he purchased a bunch of boards for me to practice on. What he taught me was perseverance and getting back up after a bad fall. Most kids might have given up, but not me. So he took me out to the backyard and he said, okay, I'm gonna hold the board like the instructors do. You're gonna start with your shoes on. I had on a cute pair of little white kids and you know, they're not thick like the shoes are now, but he held the board like, ready, go. He wanted to watch what I was doing so he could provide feedback, but his face was too close and so I kicked him in the nose. Mother bleeper, he threw the board down in frustration and he came back a few minutes later and he said, okay, here we go. We're going to try again. And then he pep talked me and told me like, just get through it. Visualize getting through it. And I karate kicked his fingers that he were holding so hard on the board and he yelled and screamed and threw the board. But he came back. He came back with a pair of boxing gloves, small ones, like the ones for a speed bag covering his fingers. He held the board and looked in the opposite direction. He said, go. And I nailed it, went right through the board. We did several. And several times I broke the board. So that's how we began practicing. Fast forward after a couple months to victory. We'd been playing a game after our regular Taekwondo session. All of us kids, we were laughing, we were running around. It was a fun day. The dojo was unusually crowded that day. I do remember that. And then suddenly, the sensei called me front and center. He pulled, hidden from the back of his belt, a board for me to break. Something like just out of the blue. And it was like one of those real true underdog movie type of moments. He said, now you're ready. I had been practicing with grit and grind for so many weeks. I took my stance and I just remember flying through that board. I flew through it with that backspin kick so hard that they had to catch me on the other side. And I felt so proud instantly. And I just knew this was my, this was my day. Everybody in the crowd cheered. And then I turned my head and just to see that the concrete was already set up for me to break. It felt like the whole wide room was there to cheer me on and everyone was full of smiles. 
And so I walked up to that big old block of concrete and I broke right through it, no problem. It was truly a day of victory for me and the sensei then pulled out another trick. He had my new red black belt ready to present to me and he promoted me right there in front of everybody and I never felt so proud. So the new plan was that I'd continue studying for another year and then I'd be eligible to test for my black belt. And in that time frame, they were going to start training me for the Junior Olympics. I was going to be learning forms with weapons, but some things in our life changed. And then we ended up moving to another state. And I never again went back to Taekwondo after that. I didn't want to start all over again. I felt a little deflated, such as my next guest. Sometimes things in life just take the wind from your sail and keep your dreams from happening. So then you have to pivot and set new goals and find new dreams. One of the well-noted things about athletics and having a competitive mindset is the way that the work ethic transfers into the business world. There's so much grit and grind that you have to put in as an athlete. and I really just genuinely think that it's something that people are typically born with, which is no different than in business or in the corporate world. You have to put in your time, pay your dues, work hard, grind it out, be prepared, have a plan and work your plan. Next, I'll introduce one of the hardest workers I know, which is why even after disappointment, he went from soccer superstar to corporate leader, leading at a regional vice president level for an international Fortune 500 company. Hello, and we welcome Guillermo Halomo to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Guillermo, how are you? I'm so good, Lisette. Thank you for having me. Yes. So um, Guillermo and I, you guys worked together in the staffing industry many moons ago, and I was actually very in awe of your work ethic and drive since the first day I ever sat next to you. That's why I wanted to invite you on the show. Um, some of the things that I wanted to share is just really, you know, I learned over the years through our professional re- relationship where your work ethic actually comes from. And um, obviously something instilled in you very young, but comes from the world of athletics, specifically soccer. So we're going to have a great conversation on the ups and downs, celebrate some victories and all the achievements. Um, one of the things I like to do is really introduce my guest. And so Guillermo has, holds the title for 2006 Division I National Soccer Champion at UC Santa Barbara and later was inducted into the University of Santa Barbara Hall of Fame for his athletic achievements, and now holds the title of Regional Vice President of a Fortune 500 international company in the staffing and recruiting industry. Also, to add to that list, co-founder for the ENG that represents the Latin Hispanic community within the organization that represents equity, diversity, diversity, and inclusion named Somos Familia. So a lot of achievements, Guillermo, but to add to that list, also father and husband, how old is Luca now? He is five now. Oh my gosh, it flies so fast, doesn't it? It does, it does. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate all of your achievements, and this is the show, Guillermo, where we talk about how people overcome their adversity through sheer willpower and drive, and I found your story to be very inspirational, so I wanted to share it with our listeners. So let's think back. Can you share with our listeners? I know we could just take it back to your high school days. Talk to me from there. 
Sure. And, and I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to congratulate you on, on your successes. So, you know, thank you for having me. And I'm not surprised you've been, uh, you know, so passionate about driving these these discussions because you've always been someone, Lisette, who um, has, has really wanted to not only help others, but but impact communities uh, and those around you just to be better people. So, um, you know, really thank you for, for having me on uh, on this podcast. Really looking forward to this fun chat with you. Oh, um, thank you. You made me blush. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go back to my early years. So, yeah, as you've mentioned, you know, soccer uh, was it uh, something that just, you know, drew my blood and, and was a huge part of my life. I, you know, uh, from the moment I started walking, soccer really consumed my my life and I found myself playing uh, and being a part of a number of different club teams throughout the year and around the age of seven uh, I would say it's when my parents really uh, just saw potential real potential in me and really invested in my uh, you know future with with the sport and I'm so grateful for 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 that and, and having two hard-working parents who you know, uh, had to work extra hours over time just to afford um, those long trips and tournaments and hotel stays. And and uh, through through that commitment in school, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, uh, commit to UC Santa Barbara at the age of 15, where I verbally committed and, and was later on able to be a part of uh, a, a national championship team beating UCLA and in, in St. Louis, Missouri, I think it was like 13 degrees. It was freezing cold. Oh, no. It was, there was snow out, you know, there was snow surrounding the field. Um, and we had, of course, two California teams just, you know, brawling it out um, on ESPN. So it was a, a great experience. Um, but yeah, soccer, again, was huge. And of course, you fast forward a couple of months and I experienced an injury that really slowed down um, really my path. Um, to which, you know, at, at that level, everyone aspires to find themselves playing at, at a professional level. So I pivoted and um, through that, again, the, the grit uh, that was instilled in me by my parents and my upbringing, I, you know, made time to sort of reflect on what I needed to do to just keep, you know, keep one foot in front of the other, as you'd love to say. Uh, and Absolutely. I actually, uh, I started an internship at UC Santa Barbara that still exists today. Uh, I partnered with uh, a great, very close with, uh, by the name of Rich Loza. Uh, and we started a, an internship that, that really boosted our merchandise um, through our marketing department um, with athletics. And uh, we grew that. We had, you know, three interns. Uh, uh, not including myself and Rich. Um, and now that has, you know, grown to well over 25 interns for the university. And um, this is, you know, we're talking decades later. So um, yeah, again, love the theme and what you're doing. Again, part of my mission in life has really been to just, you know, lead by example and, and help uh, others just reach their, their ultimate goals. 
I uh, found a tremendous passion in recruiting um, almost 10 years ago. And I've been with just an incredible organization. And over the last 10 years, I've been fortunate enough to uh, promote a number of times. I'm now sitting in as the regional vice president uh, for Northern Los Angeles. Uh, so mostly all of Santa Barbara County, Ventura County and North Los Angeles County. Uh, markets here, um, really developing leaders and really supporting our clients and our candidates, um, helping people just change their lives for the better. Um, so that's really been a common theme um, that has surrounded, right. has surrounded my life. And uh, again, has also given me the opportunity to meet great people like yourself. So again, thank you for having me on your call. Yeah, no, that was great. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, Yes, exactly. Common theme would be the right way to put it because 15 years old and committed to a college. I mean, I know what was going on in my world at 15 years old, and it certainly <laughs> wasn't um, anything that great. But <laughs> well, thank I, I'm you. pretty sure that was the age I brought home, you know, a, a bald headed gangster with tattoos talking about <laughs> love. But <laughs> Oh, uh, well, um, that, I, know, I, I did not I did not bring any bald headed gangsters to the house. <laughs> so I, I can't say I've done that before. But, you know, I think that, you know, you're from an early age, had a lot of drive. I mean, to be have that kind of focus at that age. It's just it's really quite remarkable. And it's one of the things that we celebrate today and that gets you to where you are now. Um, yeah. Now, how old were you um, when you when you had your injury? Yeah, I was, I was just, it happened really the end of my sophomore year. So if we think back, let's see, I was probably 19 going on 20. So uh, it was a pivotal time. Uh, definitely, you know, at that age, I recall just being laser focused um, in achieving my, you know, athletic goals. And uh, again, when you go through something like that, you, uh, it, it, you, you almost get the wind knocked out of you. And uh, I, right. I remember, you know, reaching out to my father um, when I was notified and told by the doctors that I'd have to sit out an entire season at minimum. Um, oh, that was, that was hard. And, uh, but again, you know, it, it, grateful for those opportunities and going through those hurdles because I, I, I'm confident that I wouldn't be where I am today without, you know, those hurdles in my life that have has really instilled the person that I am today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, those things kind of change. And just as you started to touch on, you know, it, they change you forever. Um, right. But, you know, what what was you, you mentioned the doctors and you called your dad. What was like really going through your mind at, at that moment? I just remember being numb. I remember everything just sort of standing still. I was very confused. Um, I was at a very low, low, let's just say, you know, when you, again, you, you, you work day in and day out for, you feels like your entire life to get to a certain goal uh, and going from a sprained injury to a back injury and having everything, you know, sort of taken away from you. Uh, that was hard. That was very difficult. Uh, fortunately for me, I, again, uh, was uh, fortunate and blessed to be surrounded by just positivity, you know, good mentors, good friends, um, a family that was very supportive, um, and my education. I was able to just overcome that. And, and again, no regrets. 
uh, was able to complete my degree. Uh, and through that injury, I was able to, you know, do a lot more uh, that allowed me to explore just, you know, more unique talents that I, I honestly didn't know I really had uh, because I was so focused, laser focused on, you know, that sport that I was able to, uh, you know, adapt into to other areas of, of life. Right, right. Well, and I know your family's very family, you have a very family oriented family. And you already mentioned, you know, you called your dad, you know, what, what did they do that could support you share with our listeners, like someone's going through something like this, what kind of support really picked you back up and helped helped you dust yourself off? Well, you know, it's funny you ask because, you know, as we, uh, as, as us Latinos, we're very opinionated. So usually when we, when we call and vent, uh, all we need is just a good listener. Uh, and most of the time you're, you're getting opinions and advice and recommendations. Remember that I just wanted to just vent uh, and express my frustrations. And my dad, who, who is my best friend, he just... You know, it's funny. He he's he's great about providing opinions, but that particular call, he just listened. So, you know, to answer your question, he was just there, just his presence, uh, and just reminding me that things are going to be fine. You know, um, one of my best friends, uh, who uh, I'm very close with, his favorite quote is "Wait to worry," and that's something that I really believe in. I think oftentimes we're so focused on the stressors of life of what hasn't happened um, that really consumes us. And, you know, uh, he was just at that particular moment, just having a father uh, who just, you know, was there to, to listen to me stress and vent. And he calmed me down and reminded me that things were just going to be fine. And again, um, not to steal your thunder, but um, your, your, in, your incredible model, right. Putting one foot in front of the other, I think that was really his message, just to be sure that, um, you know, you know who you are and that things are going to be fine. And, you know, reflecting now, he was absolutely correct. That is so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I know you've talked about your dad a number of times, and it's so great that you have such a great relationship with him. A lot of people can't say that, you know, and I think it's so important. It's so impactful. So that is awesome that you've had him. Um, once you moved from, you know, and I love that weight to worry. And I wrote that down because we'll come back to that later. Um, sure. But now that we, you moved from, you know, your dad, obviously he knew his son. He said, listen, what he told himself is I got to listen. That's what I got to do. And that's yeah. what you needed. And that's great. Um, but then you go to a point where, you know, you've gone through the, okay, you beat yourself up and you, you know, you go through the, the lows of the lows and then, and then you got to start self-talking. So, you know, how did you start talking to yourself and what did you start telling yourself? Yeah, great question. I think self-talk was, was very real at that time. I think we all go through it. Um, and I think particularly for men, you know, particularly Hispanic men, there's a, there's a, a pride, a stigma that we can't be weak, uh, that we can't ask for help. Um, I found myself just being okay with asking for help. And I found myself realizing that, you know, going through something so difficult like that alone 
uh, would practically be impossible and that there was no need for that. That I, That's right. You know, I was fortunate enough to surround myself to my earlier comment on, you know, surrounding myself with positivity, good people, uh, my family. Um, I was able to, to lean on them. And I did that. I was able to do that. Um, and again, through that, I was able to pick myself up um, use that time, reflect the entrepreneurial mindset that I've always had. I, I went straight to our marketing director, Rich, and said, hey, I got a year. Let's make the most of it. Um, let's start an internship. The merchandise that we sell at our games, where we're selling out at 17,000 um, each week, and we're, we're packing the stadium with these games, our, our merchandise is awful. I mean, and uh, we... we, we <laughs> We cleaned it up. We, we put our heads together. We started an internship and, um, and I wanted to do more. So I, then I applied to become a resident assistant. And uh, through that, I met my wife. Um, and it just, again, hadn't that injury not happened, I wouldn't have been able to challenge myself in those areas. I, you know, probably wouldn't have met my wife, who uh, I'm proud to say that we've been married 10 years now and, um, and have a beautiful little boy. So it, again, it's just, you know, things happen for a reason, you know, recognizing that the weight to worry factor is huge um, and just trusting in yourself. I think most importantly is believing in yourself. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can have the pep talks, you can have the inspirational quotes, uh, but it's you against yourself. And, you know, if once you learn how to manage your emotions and allow your emotions to work for you and not against you, you just become a better person. And uh, where that was difficult at times, um, I always focused on that. And, um, you know, and I always preach that now when people are going through a difficult time, it's, you know, it's okay to take a deep breath. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to self-reflect. Um, things will get better. Right. Exactly. You, um, you were mentioning about really needing, not being able to do it on your own. Was it the type of injury that was debilitating to the point that you, you needed like physical support or was this more mental? Um, both. I mean, uh, because it was a back injury and I was unable to, you know, really touch the ball for more than 45 minutes before my back locking up. It's funny. You know, if we think about it, I am now, I won't age, but gosh, I'm going on 15 years later here. Um, you know, I, if I, if I find myself playing a pickup game and I play for 60 minutes, um, I'm pretty much out of commission for a good day and a half to two days. Um, so the pain will always be there. I've learned yeah. to manage around it, uh, just because I'm a, an athlete at heart. Uh, I'm at the gym every morning at five o'clock without fail. Um, again, just that disciplinary vision that I've always had, um, that never went away. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it was a little bit of both the, the, the physical piece, the mental piece, I think now, um, you know, obviously learning how to handle and manage those two took a while. Um, I'm obviously in a much better place, but it took a lot of physical therapy and just treatment, um, from just the great staff that we had on, on campus to just, uh, kind of get me through those last couple of years. Gosh, and I'm whining about my little teeny tiny tear in my hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've all we've all had them. We've all had them. <laughs> I'm like, what? I can't do this anymore. What? Come on, fix me. Oh man. Um, 
Okay, so then you so so you go and you start this whole new thing and you get your yeah. entrepreneurial mindset going and your creative thoughts flowing and yep. you experience yet you know a, a new a new um, achievement for yourself and for the people that as you were mentioning at the school that still exists today. Um, what did you end up getting your degree in? Yeah, I majored in sociology and minored in history. Oh, nice. I had no idea that you had a minor in history. Yeah, well, you know, have I used it? Absolutely not. Sociology was great, though. <laughs> actually, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy writing papers. I found myself actually walking in as a psych major, realizing that you know, there was going to be a lot more schooling and required after your degree to, to really leverage that to its full potential. And just having ambition of, you know, hopefully being able to play at that next level, you pivot. And so I did and uh, mm -hmm. found myself taking the soci sociology route. And um, it's been great. It was a, it was a great degree for me. Awesome. No, I love sociology as well. I did study some of that um, during some of the time that I studied. Uh, but, you know, I mean, when you say psychology major, you know, you are a psychology major, right? And what you do every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, it, we, we both agree on that. So let's just say you're, you, uh, you definitely are, are um, leveraging that for sure in, in, this, in this industry that I'm in today. Okay. So then before you got into the staffing industry, you, you landed sure. your first job and you're out of college what in a property management company or what was it yeah so right out of college I, I stayed in Santa Barbara and worked for a very small property management company uh and uh manage I believe roughly 250 units for um our small college town uh in Santa Barbara shout out to Isla Vista um and so we I did that for a couple of years and, but I had to get out because as I was getting, we're, we're still that same 17, 18 year old age group and they were raging a little too hard for me. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I found myself realizing that I, I needed a pivot and, and move um, uh, further south. So yeah, I reached my, I reached my, my peak there with that small firm and, and wanted to do something different. So a, a good friend of mine who actually worked for our firm um, who was my resident, actually caught wind that I wanted to pivot and, and do something different. So he encouraged me to interview for this staffing firm. I didn't even know what staffing was at the time. And I ended up, you know, driving out to, to the offices in Westwood, met with a great recruiter, and they were actually going to help me find a job. Um, was a bit skeptical, you know, as most people may feel when they've never utilized a recruiting firm before. Uh, but I had the best experience with this recruiter who I'm still very close with. And um, little did I know, we, we were having a, a bit of a mutual interest. Um, I was very intrigued with the work she was doing. And apparently I must have had a really good interview. So I got a call on my drive home to come back the following day for a few more interviews. And long story short, found myself interviewing to become a recruiter for this organization. And now you fast forward 10 years, I'm still here, still uh, very much involved in, you know, staffing and recruiting. Um, I am now, um, I'm no longer in a production role. I now focus more on my internal staff and, you know, their professional development and doing a lot more strategic planning and supporting of our teams uh, throughout a number of offices, but very much connected with the communities, 
with our candidates and clients and uh, yeah, just a, an incredible organization and just a, a really neat industry to be a part of. Well, it seems, it seems quite fitting the job that you're in now and it probably beats all the heavy marketing calls and metric metrics that oh, yeah. you had to um, do on the hit on the, um, on the production side. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we all have to pay our dues. What did you think of the Ooh. job initially when you first started making all those marketing oh. calls? Oh, the grind, the grind. Um, well, I mean, yep, you, you, spot on, right? You're up, you're, you're in an office at 7.15 in the morning and you're, you're, you're dialing. And so that's the world, right? And then again, you know, it's, it's not for everyone, right? It's a very competitive industry. But what I love most, uh, particularly about our firm is that we just have really good leaders. Um, so I was fortunate enough to early on lean on some fantastic mentors who I, um, I still lean on today. And yeah, you pay your dues, but again, through adversity and you think about your challenges, you know, what you go through as, you know, as a, as a, as a child and into your teen years, and then you go into your college years and you become an adult and, you know, you, you, you really leverage everything that you learn your ups and downs in this job because it's very emotional, right? When you're having to identify an opportunity for someone who um, is desperately in need of a job, uh, who and needs to make rent and is, is out of work, um, you become invested. Um, and Yeah, and it weighs again, on you for sure. It weighs on you, you know? It absolutely does, you know, and I remember having talks with you, you know, we rewind several years ago, you know, working out of our Ventura office uh, out in Oxnard and, you know, meeting these great candidates who, you know, probably weren't the most polished for a particular job that we may have had in mind. So having to dig deep into really polishing those, those strengths that they do have in them and identifying those opportunities. I mean, that's the art and science behind this job is really getting the most out of every candidate uh, just to position them um, with a great paying job. And so that's, that's what I love about the, about the role, about the industry and, and about what I do is helping people. Yep. The psychology behind it. That's right. Um, so shifting gears, um, you know, obviously you started your life in one direction. It took a total different path. But, you know, one of the things was over the years, you've given me some really great tips on exercise and weightlifting, meal plans. And you, yeah. you were like kind of one of my first trainers. You know, you, you gave me the first um, desire to really step into that world and make myself healthier. Um, but that, that all comes from discipline. And you touched on it a little bit, but share with our listeners more like what your discipline looks like on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and, and that's right. I remember it, you took me back a couple of years there. That's right. We, uh, we definitely started the, the, the gym conversations in, in, in our Oxnard branch and, um, you know, kudos to you for your accomplishments. I, you know, my, my, again, my way of thinking, my way of life really is instilled, you know, with the, the, the disciplinary factors that I, I carry on every day, which is, you know, waking up earlier than most, you know, I, I, it's something about waking up at four fifteen in the morning, being in the gym at five, you know, showered and ready to just, you know, be productive by, by eight. Um, that's always been a, 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 a something that has been very, very, um, uh, highly sought out for, from me. And so I, I, again, you know, being up early, 
uh, at the gym, couple of hours. Um, and again, over the years, you know, trying your best to stay focused with your, your diets throughout the week. Um, so I, 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 uh, I haven't changed that part of me. And again, I don't think I ever will. I think that's what kind of keeps the engine going. So right. I, you know, shoot myself for maybe four to five days a week if I can at the gym, if I'm lucky. Of course, I, as you mentioned earlier, I have a little one. So I try to make um, my afternoons uh, after work, of course, available for him. That's why I, I make sure to get that out of the way because it's, it really, at least for me, you know, having that early start focus dialed in mentality um, getting a healthy workout in before you start your day has just been something that has worked for me. And why do you think that's so important? What do you think it does for you? You know, I think for you just, it's, um, a, a lot of it is just being able to just being just feeling laser focused. I think something about just staying disciplined and consistent with a plan, uh, it just, it, it makes for a successful month, right? Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who truly believes that, if you don't have a plan, um, if you're not structured, if you're not mindful of what you're eating, um, if you're not putting in healthy nutrients into your body, um, it's going to perform that way. Uh, it's right. going to perform poorly, right? So again, uh, and again, you know, it, it goes back to just the discipline that I've always had within my sport. Um, you know, making practices. You know, making sure that you're, you know you know, in tip top shape for, for games, um, you know, and, and having to play a captain role, um, you know, throughout my life, uh, not just on the field, but off the field, being a role model for, you know, my sister and my cousins, uh, family members who, you know, indirectly or directly lean on me. Um, it, it, there's a, there's a lot of weight to that and, and having right. that laser focus and consistency, I think is really important to achieving those goals. So it sounds like a lot of the mindset from your athletics is obviously, and we see this a lot, it crosses over into your corporate world and, you know, helps you understand that there's a reason for a game plan, sticking to the game plan, you know, and I know I remember you always had your meal prep and you were really, you know, like, man, do I really want to eat the same thing today? Yep. Got to do it. You know, got to do it. Really doing those you'd be, things. you'd be proud. You'd be proud. I'm still doing that. It's so funny. Everyone that uh, will we're in a, a different world now. I don't have as many folks in our office. Um, but it's funny. I still have my, my, uh, my Tupperware containers and you know, it just works. It, it's worked for me. And, um, you know, uh, again, consistency has always been key. Absolutely. And then, I mean, I, I always see winning. I feel like I see winning a lot and I love that. But as we know, like there's, there's always hurdles along the way. What are some of the challenges that you've had throughout your, um, your career where you kind of felt like, Oh man, I'm in this space right now. I gotta, I gotta get my mind right, or I'm not hitting my goals, or, or what are some of the challenges, and and what or who inspired you through those? Yeah, I mean, I think we face them, you know, as, as people. We just we face them regularly. I think for me in my industry, it's when, you know, when you're so invested in a candidate, uh, as a simple example, and you know, you you're you're working hard to you know, really getting them that, that opportunity and it doesn't work out. Right. And you're emotionally right. invested. Um, and you disagree with, with, with the client that you're working with, although you respect their decision, you see it differently and having to not only handle those conversations, but then having to go back to that candidate 
um, and giving them the news. I mean, that's something that's very real in our business, um, you know, and, and something that you, you can try and perfect, but those are very raw conversations at times. So that's, yeah, that's sometimes we have to like, let people go and, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. And then with fitness, I mean, you know, you always have goals, right? You, whether it's, whether it's, you know, putting up more weight, whether it's cutting back and leaning out or depleting, um, you know, I, again, from time to time, we'll, we'll go through ups and flows. And, you know, if you're, if, if you're, you know, looking to cut and shred, then you completely diet, you know, uh, pull, 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 pull back and, and, and go more of a full force diet plan. Um, so I, I, I'll do that. And, and again, I'll, I'll lean on uh, really close friends who are part of the same programs as, as I am, because again, having a good, good network around you um, I've always learned throughout the years is most effective than having to just do it on your own. Um, you know, leaning on people that you can trust and, and push um, so that you can be pushed as well um, has always been effective. Um, right. so yeah, I think, I think we, and I'm sure you can agree, but we, we know, you know, we, we're always experiencing that, that sort of adversity. It's just how we handle it. That makes us different. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. And then what do you think is the most important thing that you've learned as a leader or mentor with regards to impacting lives for the better? Because that's really where you're at right now. I mean, you, you've really taken on so many leadership roles. Um, you know, you're impacting lives that are not just your candidates' lives, but, you know, on, on a much larger scale. Yeah, thanks. I thank you. Um, you know, learning to have patience, um, learning to have patience. I, I, I'm again, I'm, I'm huge on, I'm huge on quotes. I, I, I wouldn't say I read a lot, um, but I, I try to anyways. And a quote that I, um, I also really stand by is patience is the key to success. Um, I actually uh, shared that one uh, many years ago with a friend and I, I, I've stuck with that. And again, just having patience, I think that is um, really the, the key factor and being mindful that everyone is different, right? When you're right. managing um, one person, you can't assume that that style of management is going to work with um, another individual. So having to take a step back, um, really focusing on what I always call the vision. Um, I think it's a key component to just a good partnership internally, whether it's you're working with a peer gym, if you're working with a, working out with a partner is really understanding your strengths um, right. to really maximize those goals. Right. And, uh, and, and achieving whatever it is you're looking to achieve. Yep. A thousand percent. Um, and so I do follow some of your social media posts. I know you're not a big poster, but I see that your, um, your, son's been, your son has been kicking the ball around a little. <laughs> How does that feel being out there on the field with your son? And does he it's, love it as much as you do? You know, he loves it as much as I do. He does. In fact, I think he loves it more, which is, which is really neat um, because I didn't think that that would be the case. Um, but he wakes <sighs> up and just like I used to do. And the first thing he wants to do is kick the ball. So funny enough, I, I have a few more calls that I'm making after this. Uh, and uh, this evening I'm, I'm going to be taking him out to the fields for, for uh, a little one-on-one -on -one, uh, training sesh that we'll have. But um, yeah, it's been an absolute blast playing with him and just, you know, watching him embrace the sport like I did um, when I was his age. Oh, he's so cute.
Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then, you know, with regards to overcoming adversity and dealing with new life paths and unexpected bumps in the road, you know, whether it's job related, family, goal related, what's your favorite piece of advice that you've ever received that you'd like to share? Um, Just regarding adversity? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a second because a couple things come to mind. I would say um, you know what, again, I go back to, um, my comment from earlier is, you know, oftentimes when we are faced with challenges, I think it's very, uh, it's a very common thing for us as people to just immediately doubt ourselves, uh, or question yeah. our own abilities, um, and almost psych ourselves out of achieving, whether it's a specific weight loss or uh, a particular promotion, or if you're training for a marathon, um, I, th- I think as, as, as simple as it sounds, you know, going back to my comment from earlier of wait to worry, right? right. And then keeping things simple. I think at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have a plan, um, it's very difficult to execute on any goal you have in life, whether it's in your professional world or your per- per- personal world, um, I'm a huge believer in, you know, every time someone comes to me for advice and they ask me, you know, how do you do that? You know, how did you achieve those goals or how did you get to where you are today? Um, a, a lot of it is just one, you know, focusing on, you know, overcoming that self-doubt, right? The right. noise of the, the distractions from those around you that may bring negativity into your space. So mm-hmm. again, surrounding yourself with good people, but just having a plan. Having a, a plan, whether it's getting up early, making sure you're working out, you're eating healthy, uh, making sure you're surrounding yourself with friends, um, making sure that you, you know, you're writing down your goals, um, whether it's a very simple attainable goal um, or a massive goal that you want to achieve at the end of the year, but putting it to paper um, has right. also been something. Yeah. And it's funny. It's something I'm, I'm surprised I'm shouting that out loud because I recall a convo that you and I had well over five years ago about that. Um, but physically writing that note down on a piece of paper and putting it on a wall or putting it on your desk and looking at that every day. Um, that's that's something that has always helped me. Absolutely. And then lastly, you know, I mean, and we'll start to wrap it up, but you know, obviously one of the things if you've listened to my first episode and I always share with my listeners, um, the title of this podcast, which you even commented on, I titled it one foot in front of the other to life. And that's because that goes back to, I, I didn't have my dad growing up. He passed away when I was seven. And when I first started in the staffing industry, I sat there looking at that phone, like, Oh my God, I got to make all these marketing calls. I was out there door knocking and getting doors closed in my face. And I'm like, uh, you know, pregnant with baby number two, which was a surprise. I was about to become a single mom. I already had a little one and the way the world was on my shoulders. And I talked to my mom and I just said to her like, mom, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she just said, well, just do what your dad always said to do. And I said, well, what was that? And she said, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. So um, that's kind of what I really have used to, you know, and applied that saying to all things in life. And you gave me a couple great quotes because you gave me patience is the key to success. You gave me wait to worry. Um, And now that you know your son is obviously following in your 
amazing footsteps and you're such a great mentor for him and a great father for him just as you just as your father what has been for you but if you had to leave behind one quote one that was like a legacy for your son for your family that would motivate them through life's greatest adversities what would that one impact be wow well the message i would give him is to never doubt yourself and trust the process. Um, and I think my quote that I would leave my son would be just that, trust the process. Awesome. I think at the end of the day, if you trust the process and believe in yourself, I think anything's achievable. Um, so I'll, I'll end it with that. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. And it's, it's heartfelt because it's near and dear. And I love seeing you know, him just running around with you on the soccer field. And I know that you'll continue to build many great memories and you'll also continue to achieve great, great success. So I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day with me today. And we will talk real soon. Thanks again. Appreciate the time. You got it. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a super awesome show with Guillermo. I'm so glad he joined us on the show. As we all know now on this show, we are the show that we celebrate how people overcome life's greatest adversities through sheer willpower, simply by putting one foot in front of the other day by day. If you like what you're hearing, follow our show. Again, I'm your host, Lisette Haber, signing off on Grit and Grind, episode number nine. Thank you so much for joining us today.